this is a young team. We're on the cusp. All right, we got to add some pieces to what we're doing here. Pierce running right, spin move, barrels his way down to the 41-yard line. What a run by Pierce. The type of players that we're looking for are players who are looking to swarm. It's intercepted, Christian Harris. Game day is every day. Picked off by Stingley. Petrie, Texans have the ball on the pick. The takeaway train is rolling. And if you want it, you got to go work. Now, it's Texans All Access. Yes, it is. Good evening. Hello, Texans. Mark Vandermeer with you with John Harris. And because it's Thursday, it's John McClain. So we have a lot to get to tonight. The draft is three weeks from tonight. Three weeks from right now, we will be live at Miller Outdoor Theater for the Texans draft party it is going to be awesome. Our coverage presented by Mattress Firm, the draft party by Modelo. It's going to be great. Tons of stuff out there. Log out to HoustonTexans.com for all the information you could possibly need on that, as we will be talking about it an awful lot, and everybody on Sports Radio 610 will be. But let's welcome aboard here the General, John McClain, and it's a pleasure to catch up as usual, General. And I know that you and Sean Pendergast talked about this on your Utopia podcast what happens if the Texans don't draft a quarterback at two? What's going to happen? Will the world stop spinning on its axis? What will occur, General? Tell us. After the fans burn down NRG Stadium, the world will stop spinning on its axis when people think we're going to have Case Keenum and Davis Mills as our two quarterbacks. No offense to Case Keenum. He wasn't signed to be the starter. He was signed to be the backup and mentor to the new quarterback. And if they did bypass quarterback, they'd get a really good edge rusher. And I guess in Will Anderson Jr., I can't imagine they would bring Jalen Carter in here. Uh, They'd have to have a luggage handler because of all the baggage he's got. But uh, then people are like, okay, I'll tell them, I'll say, okay, now where are they going to get a quarterback? Well, they can get one next year. No, there's no guarantee you can get one next year. Well, they could trade back and get trade back up and get them. Well, they don't want to give up draft choices. Why would they do that? If there's a quarterback they like, just take them. In my most recent mock draft, last week I had them taking Bryce Young, and then I had them taking Lucas Van Ness, edge rusher, at 12, even though I think Casario would trade down a little like he did last year with Philadelphia and took Kenyon Green. And in this one, I have him taking a wide receiver, Jackson Smith and the Jigba. And, and then I, in a column I wrote yesterday on Gallery Sports, I looked at the 33rd pick. If they take a quarterback and edge rusher in first round, there's a really good value for wide receivers starting at 33. But if they take a wide receiver at 12, there's really good value for edge rushers at 33. So they're in a really good spot. Also think somewhere in there, they got to get a center and there's good value on centers in the third round. Five picks of the top 73, three of the top 33. That creates excitement among fans and media i can't wait general are you i know how do i put this i know some people don't i don't want to say aren't uh totally all in on cj stroud i mean they want bryce young it's bryce young or bust how would you feel about the texans 
moving up one spot to make sure that they got their guy, if it is Bryce Young, if they move up to number one? Or are you okay sitting at two and taking either of Young or Stroud, whichever one doesn't go number one? John, I'm okay with number two. Some people have C.J. Stroud as a better prospect. If And I'm doing a column tomorrow about the strengths and weaknesses of Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud based on everybody I've talked to, people I've read, whom I trust, and listen to whom I trust. And if if Bryce Young were four inches taller, he'd be looking at looked at like Trevor Lawrence and Andrew Luck, generational quarterbacks who without a doubt would be the first overall pick. But that's the one thing that he cannot uh do anything about. And D'Amico said last week when we were in Phoenix for the NFL meetings, he did not see his size being an issue, and he had watched his tape in the SEC. And let's face it, he played in the best conference in the country. And this past season, he didn't have the talent around him, seems hard to believe, at Alabama like he did the year before when he watched the Heisman. So some people think his performance was even more impressive. But if you watch C.J. Stroud, who had much better receivers, um, and people talk about his last game against Georgia. And, yes, he was fabulous, but he had great days at his pro day in the combine, as he should have, considering the circumstances, shorts and T-shirts. But I would love to have either one of those guys. I have a column today on Gallery Sports with Greg Grissom, the Texans president, talking about the excitement over the hiring of D'Amico and getting a franchise quarterback, hopefully. And it affects the administrative side as well as the personnel side. You think about what Greg and all the department heads have been going through, trying to sell seats and club seats and sponsorships and suite tickets with what they've gone through the last three years compared to the exhilaration everybody in the stadium is feeling now. Nobody is happier about the buzz that's being created right now than the president of the organization, not to mention Hannah and Cal and Janice McNair. Yep. We had them on the show last week. We had Greg and also Cal and Hannah over 90% renewal rate for them with the season ticket members. It's awesome. And uh, they're making progress day by day. Lux is going well. So really good news there. Lots of excitement. But like you said, if you don't draft a quarterback, I'm just kidding around here. We'll see how it all plays out. I'm not uh, kidding. That... <laughs> I'm not okay. kidding. You can be kidding. I'm not kidding. <laughs> yeah, I understand what you're saying. Well, it's funny because there's the excitement of draft weekend, and then there's whatever happens in reality once you start playing games, and you hope that – one leads to the other with wins, but we'll see. General, is there a quarterback that you like in this draft outside of the top two and maybe even outside of Levis or Anthony Richardson? Is there somebody that sort of piques your fancy just as a football mind as you observe some of these other players like a Hendon Hooker or Jake Hayner of Fresno State or one of these other guys out there? Just Hendon Hooker because had he not blown out his knee, he might be rated – Right, up, might be right ahead of Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. You know, another SEC quarterback. He was playing great. You know, people, I was asked, I think, by John Lopez on Tuesday, why his stock's going up. And I said, well, it's because people are talking to him. You know, they, they've got the tape before he was hurt. 
And they talked to him at the combine. They talked to him at the pro day. And uh, they're really impressed. And he is 25 years old. He's more experienced. So he should be a little more mature. But he is very impressive, his knowledge. And they see him, I'm talking about teams, when they see him behind the scenes. And he's getting uh, top 30 visits. And it wouldn't surprise me. Last week I had him going to Washington. This week I'm going to Seattle with Seattle's second pick. He could go to any team that uh, needs a quarterback but doesn't have to play this season. Could he last into the second round? Sure, he could. But uh, some teams may cross him off because the earliest he would play would be 26 going on 27. But considering quarterbacks play so long now, I think 10 years from now, people would forget about when he started. And I think Seattle's a great spot for him. Geno Smith turns 32 in October, signed a new two-year contract. Uh, he can go up there and and get healthy this season and learn, learn one more year and be ready to rock and roll for the Seahawks. I've got Hannon Hooker going somewhere mm. before Seattle. You'll have to well, stick around later on. We'll tell you about it later, John. Hey, I showed you mine, so why can't you show me yours? <laughs> because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull yeah. a John McClain special. I am doing it live tonight. You can find out then. Um, and because well, maybe I'm not as proud of mine as, I, as you are of yours, John. Uh, oh, of there... course you are. Yours is better than mine. You spend a lot more <laughs> time watching tape than I do. I just yeah. read and listen to people I respect who have NFL backgrounds. Well, I hope you've been listening to me. Um, along those lines, John, what do you I always think, listen to you. Not the specific odds, but do you think the odds are, are good, decent, or very, very low that quarterbacks could go one, two, three, four in this draft? Oh, boy. Then hmm. in Indianapolis trades with Arizona, and Arizona, who lost both defensive ends, is going to take Will Anderson Jr., and then somebody – pops up and says, well, you know, you got the worst roster in the NFL. We'll give you a couple of picks to let us have that fourth spot to take the quarterback who's left over. It's not out of the question because the Colts need a quarterback and then the Cardinals need prospects. Although Will Anderson Jr. could be a cornerstone for them. Uh, It's not out of the question, but I think it's, it's not likely. Um, I've been avid thinking the rate of the Raiders would be a good spot for a fourth quarterback. But once they sign Hoyer to go with Jimmy Garoppolo, and even though Garoppolo's quarterback contract they can get out of with no big problem after one year, but it just doesn't seem like they'd have a rookie quarterback taken seventh overall as third, uh, which means he would never be active most of the time. So uh, I've, I've gotten off them and uh, I can't even remember. I had Richardson going to Indianapolis. Oh, Levis. I think I had him going to Atlanta because I don't buy the Falcons already saying Desmond Ritter is our quarterback after playing a little bit as a rookie. So general, we play this game called more likely to happen, more likely to happen. The Cardinals trade the pick or not at number three, which is the likeliest thing to happen with that third pick, a trade or not? Well, I would say more likely is they trade because their roster, the odds are right now, the only team with worse odds to make the playoffs than the Texans is Arizona. 
and Kyler Murray's not coming back anytime soon. So I'm going to think they're going to trade that pick. If they trade that pick, General, I've thought about Arizona making a trade. The team to me, I don't know, there are a few teams that are mysterious in this whole thing, but one may have gotten outed by Daniel Jeremiah last week, and that was Tennessee moving from 11 to 3. When you heard that, does it does it jive? Do you think that makes sense for Tennessee to give up what they've got to get up to go eight spots up the Arizona? I mean, the Monte Asifor connection, the, it, that's there, so they know each other. So I could see it happening, but is it realistic to think that the AFC South could be going two, three, and four in this draft if Tennessee moves up to three? When I, I don't think that for a second, and the reason is people cover the team don't think that. They've got so many needs. They, they lost every starter in their offensive line. They don't have one wide receiver that they know they can count on. They hope they can count on Traylon Burks, last year's number one pick, but they're desperate. They can't afford to say give up – three draft choices to move up that high. That's like, that's the same number of spots that the Panthers moved up to and moved up that many places. And they don't have a DJ Moore wide receiver to throw in there. So I just don't see it. Now they, they, Derrick Henry's 29 years old. He had a really good year last season. They're not rebuilding. They're not trading him. I don't think although I never thought they'd trade A.J. Brown either. And everybody thinks it's the last year they're going to have Ryan Tannehill. But, man, for them to trade up to number three, they're going to be paying dearly. General, it's interesting with the Colts last year when you had, we presume, ownership step in and decide Sam Ellinger would start the rest of the games at one point. That didn't happen, but then he ends up starting in the regular season finale. As we all know, Frank Wright got fired. I don't have to repeat the entire history of the Colts in 2022. But do you think there's more alignment between ownership, management, and coaching with the Colts or with the Titans at this point, because there's talk about talk, whatever, reports, stories, allocations that the Titans might move up in this draft. It doesn't seem like a Vrabel-like thing to do, but you tell me, which organization seems to have more alignment at this stage, Colts or Titans? Well, first of all, Mike Vrabel and their new general manager, Rand Cawthorn, who came from the 49ers, they're running the show like Hannah Cal and Janice McNair, Amy Adams Strunk likes to know what they're doing. And if they're going to make a controversial pick like Jeffrey Simmons, who had off the field issues, they made sure to go to Amy Adams Strunk and explain everything to her and get her on board. And so, but this is going to be Rand Cawthorn's first pick and Mike Vrabel is going to have to sign off on it. And Mike is very influential in the organization. As you guys know, a very forceful personality. Shane Steichen is on the first year of a contract. He was the offensive coordinator at Philadelphia. He's got a veteran general manager, Chris Ballard, who everybody says jobs on the line. And he's got Jim Irsay. Who would cave the easiest? A proven coach like Mike Vrabel or a first-year coach on the first year of his contract? I'm guessing that would be uh, Steichen, if Jim Mersey said, you know, I really want Anthony Richardson or I really want Will Levis. And even though Steichen would say what he thinks, 
I'm pretty sure they'd probably do what Jim Irsay wanted. General, the team that kind of has me a little bit baffled, and I've been trying to figure this out all day, the Washington Commanders. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I just feel like Washington has been really, really quiet on the football side of things. Obviously, the other side of things is a little different. But the football side of things, it just feels quiet, and I cannot for the life of me believe that they feel great about going into a year with Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett. I just feel like Washington's getting into this quarterback mix in some way, shape, or form. What are your thoughts about that? I agree with you, John, 100%. That's why I had them taking Hendon Hooker last week. They've got a really good running game. they got two good backs. They've improved their line. Their pass rush, their depth in the defensive line is the best in the NFL. They are just a quarterback away from maybe uh, supplanting the Giants as the second-best team in the NFC East. Sam Al played one game. Patrick Mahomes played one game. I'm not saying Sam Al is Patrick Mahomes, but Sam Al's next to last year at North Carolina. He was great. Then he lost his coach. He lost his players, and he wasn't the same, and they got him cheap. But, you know, Ron Rivera – if if it was Andy Reid saying, I believe in this guy, I would trust it more than Ron Rivera. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if they didn't take in and hooker, see what Sam Howell's got for a year before they have to make the other decision. How much of a surprise would it be to you if the Texans took Hendon Hooker at 12? Well, that means they wow. would have uh, taken Will Anderson Jr. with a second overall pick or – Nick Casario would have traded out. Casario has 12 picks. Last year, what did he have? 11 ended up with nine. I don't think he wants 12 rookies on his team. I think when he makes trades, and you guys know he'll make trades, next year he has 11. That he might be trading two years down the road or a couple more next year or moving up. So if indeed, say he did bypass Bryce Young and – and took Will Anderson Jr. And uh, D'Amico said, hey, we won with Mr. Irrelevant, and we got Mr. Irrelevant on this team too. But I think uh, and if he took Hooker, that's who he wanted. Uh, and he went with Case Keenum and Davis Mills for a season. At least there would be hope at quarterback. But I don't know anybody that has Hendon Hooker rated on a level with Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. He may go to go to the Hall of Fame, but I'm just talking about now. Yeah, that, that age difference, mm-hmm. I mean, the offense he came from, I mean, I love Hennett Hooker. I, I, I do. I mean, I, he was on track for me to be at no no worse than quarterback three until he tore the ACL. And then I worry about that combined with his age. Yeah, how is he going to come back from that? All that kind of stuff. Regardless, General, pick number 12, pick number 33. More likely to happen. This is what Mark asked me. Mark, you can probably put this down because we can talk about this. More likely to happen, the Texans okay. trade down from 12 or up from 33 into the first round. Uh, down from 12. You know, D'Amico Ryans has told us every time we've interviewed him, you have to dominate up front. They got everything they need in the offensive line except a dominating center. Defensive line, they need an edge rusher. I think because they signed Sheldon Rankins and Hassan Ridgeway, to, to rotate opposite Malik Collins and then with Malik Collins 
needs a rest, they're more likely to go for an edge rusher. Jonathan Grenard going in the last year of his contract, but he's had injury issues. Jerry Hughes, even though he played really well for a guy that's 55, he's back. But you've got to have another edge rusher. You let Obo get away in free agency to Cleveland. So that, to me, is their second biggest need. I think they'll take an edge rusher at 12, 13, 14, 15, wherever he is. Could be a guy like uh, Smith from Georgia. Could be my uh, Murphy from Clemson. Keon White from Georgia Tech. Could be any of those guys. But uh, that's why I think with the 33rd, they take a wide receiver. And uh, because I just don't see him, even though in my current mock draft, I haven't taken Jackson Smith and Jigba at 12. I still think D'Amico will tell Casario, we got to get a pass rusher there. Unless they have somebody on their board that is really highly rated that they thought was going in the top five and they just have to take him. John, the afternoon guys were featuring audio from Sylvester Turner, who said that the governor of Connecticut apologized for his remarks calling Houston butt ugly. So that's a good thing. What was your reaction to that whole story? I mean, I think that this sort of galvanized Houston in a way, and nobody in Connecticut, who cares what they think, and nobody else heard it because nobody cares about Connecticut, and even in the Northeast. So what's your reaction? I had a tweet in which I, I said the Connecticut governor's an income poop. And as, as uh, Matt Young pointed out in the Chronicle, went over his social media. He is a diehard Yankees fan. It was all about the Astros owning the Yankees. He made a fool out of himself. He took the spotlight away from a, the best college basketball program in the country. Better than Duke, Kansas, Kentucky. It's right there. Five national championships going back to 99. And I think the governor made a fool out of himself. And I expected more politicians from here, like our governor, to speak up. And so Turner put that out. And I sent a, I tweeted to Turner, you should have gone up there and pulverized him the way the, Yank, the Astros do the Yankees. Hey, General, if somebody came to you and said, hey, you could be mayor of Houston, would you ever do it? Are you kidding me? Number one, I would hate to replace Sylvester Turner, who I think has been a terrific mayor because he and his people understand social media better than any mayor that we've had. And everywhere Mm -hmm. Sylvester goes, plus, you know, he tried to be mayor. He didn't get it. And then he got it and he was so happy to get it and to represent Houston and his beloved Cougars. And uh, I think he's done an outstanding job, and there's no way I'd want to follow in his footsteps because he's been tremendous at promoting Houston. I wish he'd just put on the gloves instead of taking them off with his nitwit in Connecticut. John, a lot of people listening right now have had their faces buried in their desktop monitors today, not because they were working so hard, but because they were on Masters.com watching four-screen coverage, including Amen Corner exclusivity. Not that I was, but your thoughts on this. Is this maybe your favorite non-one of the four major sports sports events? How do you rank it? in the pantheon of what's available outside of football, basketball, baseball, and maybe hockey. I don't know. You tell me. Well, first of all, I, lo- I don't put it up with the NCAA basketball tournament. I think the, the NCAA tournament, not just because of here, is incredible every year. And you get people don't care about college basketball getting involved because of betting. 
And this year, now this is just this year, the con and I'm congratulating Kim McMulkey for winning national championship like she did three times at Baylor. And the controversy between Angel Reese and Caitlin Clark is the best things ever happened to women's college basketball. They're still talking mm-hmm. about it on national talk shows because I heard them day when I was in the car. Mm-hmm. And I think that is great for the sport. But I love the Masters. I watch all the majors. I watch the TPC and the fifth major. And I watch a lot of golf and um, the Masters. And to me, my favorite golfing event, um, I've never been to any of the tournaments. Everybody says, oh, you got to go to Augusta. There's nothing like it. But um, I love watching it. I love watching, excuse me, I love the the reverence that they do. They talk in such hushed tones, like you're in a church, a cathedral. Mm-hmm. And I just like there's somebody <laughs> treated like uh, they do when Americans are playing in Europe. Very nice. General, Nothing's um, like the really great Cup. to catch people, up with you, as always. People ask me, would you like to go to the Kentucky Derby? Would you like to go to the Indy 500? What would you like to go to? And I think, to me, the Ryder Cup would be one of the most – fun events because the fans are like they are in other sports and i think that's tremendous and guys thank you very much for having me as always i look forward to talking to you next week john i will be listening <laughs> of course thank you general. all right sounds good general and tell your tristar friends they should get ashley and caitlin to do an autographed sitting together that'd be awesome uh, for so many people and, and more great publicity because there's no such thing as bad publicity. Sometimes you're exactly is, right. Really actually been very good for the women's game. Yep. All right. Have a great night, general. We appreciate it coming up. We're going to play yes or no with Johnny. Also a little bit of a deeper dive. Look at Hendon hooker. He's going to go higher than a lot of people think in this draft. Johnny, I've got the numbers here. Not that I'm going to bog people down with numbers, but some of them are really jaw-dropping, and we'll get to that, among other things, next here on Texans Radio. More Texans Radio is on the way. Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. All right, we're going to adjust what we were going to do because I was going to play yes or no, John Harris, but I want to play what are people thinking? What are people thinking? I'm looking at Anthony Richardson's numbers here, and then I look at Hendon Hooker. Did Hendon Hooker play for a pretty good school with a pretty good record? Yes or no? Yeah, he did, and he beat Anthony Richardson in Florida too. Okay, he. Yeah, okay, and listen to these. Listen to these numbers: twenty-seven touchdown passes, two interceptions, and an average yard per completion of nine point five number. Almost 70% completion rate. The year before, 68.2% completion rate. Threw for 3,000 yards in 21, 3,100 yards in 22. So not a ton of yards on the college level. If those are NFL numbers, they're even a little little light, you know. Uh, Sometimes in college you get this, this massive inflation, even though you have fewer games with some of these signal callers. But you're in the SEC, right? So you're going to play some tight games and everything. But I'm just looking at the last couple of years here. 31 TDs, three picks in 21. 27 TDs, two picks in 22. I know he tore the ACL, and he's 25 years old. People are acting like that's 45. He's 25! And... 
The ACL situation. You know, a quarterback who tore the same ACL twice just last year picked up $230 million guaranteed. I'm not saying he's not accomplished already in the NFL with the numbers and everything. But this Hendon Hooker, Johnny, this could be a crazy like a Fox pick for a team to pick up a little bit higher than people expect. Thoughts? A couple of things. Number one. Now, I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with I absolutely love Hendon Hooker. And I would be A-OK with him being in Houston if I felt like he could be ready for week one. Because I think if I'm going to draft him in round one, I got to get him on the field as soon as possible, or I'd like to see him on the field as soon as possible, as soon as he's comfortable, I put it that way. Um, I love everything mm-hmm. about him. I, I saw him at the Senior Bowl, and he couldn't practice, but he was at every session, every unit drill. He was watching every drill. He was talking to the quarterbacks, talking to the coaches the entire time. Here's what's being held against Hendon Hooker, and well, out in the, in the media world in particular. Oh, he came from an offense that manufactured the, – the receivers weren't even on the screen. They had so much space, uh, and they took advantage of it. I have watched uh, – Mark, you know, I, I've watched probably, I don't know, four or five games. I watched three last summer of Hennon Hooker, and I'll be honest, I almost didn't, Mark. I almost didn't because at Virginia Tech – and I learned my lesson with Virginia Tech prospects, if you know what I mean. I watched him at Virginia Tech, and I thought, eh, he's Jag. He's just a guy, Okay. He goes to Tennessee, and he ends up he, – he's behind Joe Milton. Strong arm, big arm dude from Michigan. Came from Michigan, from Florida. But he came from the University of Michigan, and it was Milton was going to be the guy. He's got the howitzer. He's going to be the guy in Tennessee's offense. So he started a little bit. They eventually turned it over to Hooker. And then in 2021, the offense started kind of taking off at that point because of Hooker and what he did. But he didn't start at the beginning of the year. Well, 2022, he's now the guy, but then he doesn't finish the year. But that offense is being held against him um, because there was so much space. Uh, and he had all these, you know, top-notch wide receivers to throw it to. Hmm, that sounds familiar, right? Didn't C.J. Stroud throw some really, really mm-hmm. good wide receivers at Ohio State, too? So I, I, don't, I don't buy that argument. If you, watch, if you just watch Hannon Hooker and you don't consider the age and you don't look at the offense, you just look at him throwing the football and you look at where, you know, his ball placement, his accuracy – his understanding of when to run out of the pocket, you realize that guy's a really good quarterback. Now, how much does the ACL take away from him running? Eh, who knows? But I know just watching the throws, it wasn't just all day outside the numbers. His accuracy outside the numbers is tremendous. But, Mark, I remember we were on a bus going to Chicago. And we were on a bus going to our hotel in Chicago. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. In, uh, yeah, in Chicago. And I'm watching, and you know me, I watch on the phone, and there's a drive right before half where he's backed up. Two-minute drive right before half, and he leads them out of there with a couple of just genius throws. I mean, brilliant throws. And he comes right back, and they double dip because he has another couple throws after halftime, and the game went from being close to Tennessee taking a two-touchdown lead um, at that point. Uh, And that was all hooker. So I I think hooker's hookers being shortchanged in some respects. Um I think that ACL kind of played with my mind a little bit, like where I should put him. But I'll put it this way. I have him in my top 20 in my mock coming up tonight. Okay. Let's – all right. That's uh, your YouTube program? Yeah, you I'm going to have that. that. Yeah, as long as I don't screw it up, which I probably will. But, you know, I'm going to try. 
I've never done it. Before. Uh, the eight o'clock, eight central, eight o'clock. Yeah. Why okay. Not? Let's do it. You'll go. You'll be fine. Yeah. You'll be fine. Look, if the kids can do it, you can do it. All right? That's <laughs> okay. one way to look that's, at it. That's the thing. When it comes to technology nowadays, we can't say that. Remember, we were growing up. I mean, then again, one of my favorite videos and some of my favorite videos are if you gave a kid a rotary phone from the 80s and said, make a call, call oh, yeah. this number, call my cell phone, they'd have no idea how to do it. So, you know, it's uh, I can at least do that. So I, I, think I'll, I think I'll be able to figure it out. But, yeah, you know, Mark, I, I'm with you. I think – you know, I, I even batted around, would Hennett Hooker be more of a viable option than Will Levis? Would that, and I was like, gosh, I yeah. I think if Hooker had been fully healthy, I think I, I might I might have done that, but I don't know. I, I'm, I'm I, it, as I'm thinking through my mock, I'm going like, man, should I have done that? Should I not? I don't know. It's going to be close. I just think teams are going to fall in love with Hennett Hooker. I really do. Um, I think his dad was a coach, if I remember correctly. So I think that adds to his aura, for me at least, um, that helps. But he's got rave reviews, like in the interviews and things like that. So I think you're right. I think Hennett Hooker is kind of lying in wait um, for sure for some team. Johnny, if Josh Allen was a bust, right, with his college completion percentage and all of that, if he became a bust, does Anthony Richardson project to go this high? Well, that's a great question. I think – no, I don't think he would. And I know people hear that and go, well, wait, wait a second, wait a second. Mm-hmm. You know these – listen, NFL teams, you know, the people that run them are human. They they know, like, wait a second. I learned from that lesson. Like, Buffalo took him, moved up to go take him at number seven, and knew he had flaws, and then he turned out to be a bust. I'm not making that same mistake. I'm not going to do that. Um, I think one of the things, and, and I don't know. With a guy was, with a low completion percentage, and that's where well, I'm coming from. Okay, that's that's where I want to go to. And I've said this before, Mark. Anthony Richardson's percentage is like 53 54%, whatever it is. I, I don't know. But here's the mm-hmm. thing. When it comes to measuring accuracy, to me, completion percentage tells nothing of the story. Because I watched what? Richardson just recently. Hold on. Let me let – me, Here's where I'm going with this. I'm a, I'm a Matthew, if you will. In the game against okay. – which game did I watch? Oh. Was, it the, it may, was it the Tennessee game? Yeah, it was the Tennessee game. Mark, he has five throwaways. Five. Because he rolls out because of the play call. There's nobody there as an outlet. He's got to throw it away. He had five throwaways. Now, if I'm doing math for you, five throwaways in a game. So that means, okay, let's say he was 20 for 30. Just go with me. He's 20 for 30, right? That's mm-hmm. 67%. But let's say he doesn't have those five throwaways, and now he's 20 at 25. That's 80%. So the difference mm-hmm. in a few throwaways, and Mark, I'm not saying it was just that game either. There were a number of games where he was throwing the ball away multiple times. That offense last year did not help Anthony Richardson at all. If you want to talk about his accuracy and his ball placement, you've got to watch him throw. Watch him throw the football, and you realize, okay, there are inconsistencies in where he's throwing the ball. There's inconsistencies in his footwork and his mechanics. Those things rise up. But he had such a bad number in large part because he had drop. If you just want to go by math, if you took away the drops and you took away the throw, he had more throwaways last year than I saw – 
I don't think I saw from any other quarterback even close. He used to have to throw the ball away a ton because he'd survive a rush. He'd go, he'd run to the right, and he's like, I got to just throw this thing away. He saved the play, but yet he goes 0 for 1, which obviously hurts his completion percentage. And does that tell us how accurate or not he is? I think he is inconsistently accurate. I think he is extremely accurate outside the numbers on deep routes outside the numbers. I think his accuracy can start to wane a little bit on shorter and immediate stuff that's outside the numbers because he's got to be more exact with his footwork and such. And he can also spray it over the middle of the field, basic routes, dig routes, in routes, things like that. He tends to get up on his toes a little bit, doesn't drive off the back leg, and the ball sails on him. So, to me, that's where the inconsistency in his accuracy comes from. But the number, to me, doesn't tell me anything, in all honesty. It doesn't tell me anything because you factor in drops and you factor in um, throwaways. You know, you could be talking about a guy that was in the 60s. Would you feel better about Anthony Richardson if his completion percentage was 61 or 62%? Probably so. Probably so. You wouldn't be, like, yeah. yelling from the yeah. rooftops. But you'd feel better about it. Well, that's probably what his true accuracy or completion percentage pretty much was. Interesting, because he has a very similar number of attempts as Hendon Hooker. He has two fewer attempts, 327 to 329. But Hooker completed 58 more passes over the course of a season. Now, that could be like three a game or something. That might back up your point. You have three more throwaways a game. I feel like Kevin Costner and Bull Durham right now. One hit a week, a ground ball with (laughs) eyes, something like that. Your average goes up to 300. You're going to the Hall of Fame as opposed to a 250 hitter, and you're nobody. But I don't know, man. I don't know. The completion percentage to me still is a very holy number. Maybe you're right. Maybe we make too big a deal out of it. Richardson clearly has other attributes. He's a hell of a runner. Uh, he really burst out of the scene. Good coaching. If he's got the commitment, like a Josh Allen, if he's got the commitment, he can become a really good quarterback. But speaking of Hooker, will he go before Richardson or even Levis? It could happen. More on the draft three weeks from tonight. We get it rolling at Miller Outdoor Theater. It's going to be great. It's Texans Radio. Texans Radio continues in a moment. We return to Texans All Access. Yeah, we do. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. It's great to have the general on earlier. Three weeks from tonight, the draft gets going. We'll be at Miller Outdoor Theater broadcasting. Andre Ware joins Johnny and me and Robert Hensley with the updates. And let's see what else. Uh, Aaron is going to engineer. No, he might be in Kansas City. So I think it'll be Matt Irvin if anybody wants to keep score of that at home. But it'll be fun, Johnny, to be out there. And you got to eat your Wheaties, of course, as always, because you'll be <laughs> on every single hour of the draft, and it'll be awesome. All right, so Steve Keim, I want to get to some other stuff here just for a oh, second. Boy. Steve Keim, former general manager of the Cardinals. Now that he's not a general manager of the Cardinals, he's singing like a canary. Oh, My yeah. gosh, he was on this Chris Long podcast and said, yeah, the DeAndre Hopkins contract, which he implemented, by the way, yeah. makes it hard to trade him, might have to go for a lower pick than they would want. Oh, plus Kyler Murray, you know, he works hard, but, uh, you know, attention to detail, that needs some work. The film study stuff, yeah, that could use some improvement as well. Wait, wasn't he still in the building when they put that clause in the contract? And then they had to take it out. I mean, that was his deal, right? Yep. So it is what it is. But it's interesting to hear him talk 
about his club right now. And it'll be really interesting to see how they do in Arizona with Jonathan Gannon coaching the show and Kyler Murray trying to prove himself, as we all are every single day of our lives. Yeah, it, I thought it was interesting when I saw the, the headline. I'm like, wait a second. The, wait, is he talking about DeAndre Hopkins' contract, the one that he came up with? He's talking about that contract? Yep. I mean, yep. if he wants to get hired again in the league at some point, somewhere, that isn't the way to do it. Because if I were an owner and I read that, I'd be like, wait a second. You admitted a couple of years after the fact that that deal was a bad deal? Wait, huh? I, I would. <laughs> it was just interesting to hear uh, Steve Kime. And what I also find interesting is the fact that Steve Kime was talking a day or two after the Terry McDonough allegations. Hmm. I'm not conspiracy theorist, but conspiracy much? I don't know. That was kind of interesting to me. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. And the other thing is the burner phones, which they basically admitted to, if I'm not mistaken. Where do you buy a burner phone, by the way? Not that I'm interested in one. I just think it's really, you know, I watched The Wire, which is a great show. Everybody should watch it. The technology part of it is dated, except they do use burner phones. But I think back then you just... Went to the store and bought a burner phone, I guess. I guess it's any kind of untraceable phone. You get a number or whatever. Uh, Brandon Cooks, by the way, also in the news on an Adam Schefter podcast. Sean and Seth played this audio this morning, so we don't have to revisit that. But he did indicate in that Week 18 matchup, yeah, the players are going to play hard, try to win every game. Why not? And I kind of like what he said about the Texans, that, you know, you're going to go all out to win a game. Just like we always say about that game, Johnny – I never thought in all my years of working with this organization, you know, I've had to talk about some losses. Let's be clear. There have been some losses, some really hard losses that I've had to discuss on these airwaves. I've never had to defend a victory. Yeah. But here we yeah. are. They now, won we, the game. I, okay. They, I, they were not a very good team, but they won the game. You and I <laughs> have had to defend ugly victories. We've had to do that before. <laughs> But ugly I don't think this was That's an true. ugly victory at all. This was beating the Colts in Indianapolis. That doesn't come around very often. So, listen, once this draft is over, I mean, it'll be brought back up by somebody at some point. But, I mean, come on, man. Give, give me a break. But you're right. I, I heard I heard Brandon's comments um, this morning talking about it. And, you know, it's uh, good for Brandon. He is now in a place where he's going to feel, you know, comfortable and feel wanted. Um, Brandon's also said that with all we'll four stops, all four stops that he's been, he said those same things. Um, and, you know, we'll see how it works out for Dallas. I, I thought Dallas's moves, Mark, I'll admit, Cooks and Gilmore don't have much left in the tank. But if they've got a quarter tank of their best left, then I think the Cowboys, as long as Dak keeps it together and quits throwing interceptions, the Cowboys could be a tough out. The t- Cowboys could be a real tough out next year. I fully expect them to at least approach double-digit wins again, but we all know what happens in the postseason, although they did beat the Buccaneers this year on the road this past year. So good for them with that. Man, we're running out of show here. Quickly tell me, will Hendon Hooker go ahead of Levis in this draft? I don't think he will. I, but it'll be, I, I don't think he will, Mark. But it would be a really long discussion I would want to have with my scouts. If I'm a GM, with my assistant GM, whomever my team, I would have a long hard discussion about it um, because I, I believe in Hennon Hooker. 
Uh, but I believe in Jake Hayner, too. I mean, there, there are some options. So uh, this is going to be a fascinating draft, and it needs to get here a lot faster than three weeks, bro. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I mean, we got to go. We got to get this lying season over with and see what's behind all those lies. All right, tomorrow's Good Friday. We got a Friday show for you at 6 o'clock. Johnny and I, and also Brian Bearfield, also known as Big Sarge, he's going to be on the program as well as we will continue to get you ready for the draft and whatever is next for your Houston Texans. Thank you very much, Jace, for producing. Thank you, General. Thank you, Johnny. Check out Johnny on YouTube at 8. Have a great night, everyone. Go Texans! This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.